The bacteria that cause infections are very tricky, and sneakies too. This goes for the ones that we find in humans and the ones that we find in plants. So if we have a plant and we want to get rid of that bacteria, we need something even sneakier to do the job. My name is Louis Colorotolo, and I'm not sneaky enough to kill plants, but I am a PhD student here at the University of Guelph trying my absolute best to get a degree in food science. When I should be working, but I'm not, I like to talk to other graduate students about what they're studying, why it matters, and honestly, they need to help explain it to me because I have no idea what they're talking about. So that's why we're talking to extra sneaky pesticide agent Nima Nalin. She's coming up with a new way to sneak some pesticides into those plants to kill those bacteria once and for all. While listening to this conversation with Nima, keep in mind one thing. We're graduate students still in our study. We're figuring things out, and we don't know everything. But that's why you're listening to another episode of We Know Some Stuff. Hi, Nima. How are you doing today? I'm good, Louise. How are you? Hi, I'm doing all right over here. Could you do us a quick favor and give me your educational history and everything that entails in that? Oh, yeah. So right now I'm, I'm a PhD student at the Department of Plant Agriculture. I'm working with Dr. Gobi Paliot. And then before that, uh, I did my master's at the University of Western Ontario from two, uh, 2018 to 2020. So I passed out in 2020. I graduated in 2020. Not a good year to graduate, of course, but yes. No. Didn't have a proper graduation ceremony, but then, okay, that's life. And uh, before that, I was re-entering academy. I've been working before that. I've been, I would say, jumping continents. So I, I did my master's in 2009 from India. That was in biotechnology. Uh, so more of plant and animal biotechnology. It was kind of a mix. And then I moved to UAE, that is United Arab Emirates. And then I was working there at the public university. That's the United Arab Emirates University. I was part of the College of Medicine and Health Sciences there. I worked as a research assistant for like nearly six years. And then the next jump, that is to Canada. So we migrated here. I migrated here with my family and then decided to get into academia again. Decided to take my master's and I kind of applied everywhere. And something I got and I was interested in was uh, it was an offer from the University of Western Ontario. And it was, of course, a reputed university, great place to be in. London was really good. The two years I spent at Western Ontario, I was uh, working on cardiotoxicity. So we were doing a lot of cell culture experiments and stuff, which was like part of what I've done uh, during my, when I was working. So it was not anything new, but kind of easily gelled in. That was great. And at, in 2020, I graduated, then worked in the University of Waterloo for uh, a short time, I think eight months. Then I was hired here in my current lab as a research assistant again for a project. It was in the Department of Plant Agriculture, but they needed someone with a cell culture expertise. So that's how I ended up in Guelph. And now I am working on herbicides, which is um, in an entirely different field, but that's mainly because I was getting along in the lab well and then this project comes in and my professor was like, why don't you just do it? You can do it. It's fine. You have a background in plants because I've worked on phytochemicals. I'm like, okay, but it's not herbicides. But he's like, you can do it. Just go ahead. You keep crawling back to academia. Yes. You really can't get enough of it, can you? Yes, I kind of like it. I don't know. I have 
worked in um, I worked as a research tech in one of the companies in Fergus. Uh, it was a short period, but then I like academia more for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I think the flexibility pulls me back to academia all the time. Yeah, yeah, that flexibility is great, and there's always a coffee shop really close by exactly, when you exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's open pretty late usually too. So you, right, these are the perks of the job that nobody talks about. Yes, yes, of course, and 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 the vibe you get in the well when you are all working from home, it was different. But when you're mm. here in the campus, it's it's kind of a different vibe. It's you don't get it anywhere else. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a good thing, but ah. Uh, and of course, you should like what you're doing. You should be passionate about what you're doing. That's more important. So if you're not passionate, it's going to be hell. But if you're really passionate about it, it's heaven. All right. So now that we're talking passion, you clearly are one of the most passionate people about herbicides, right? Right now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how how in the world did, uh, did this come about? You gave us sort of like the educational history, what led you to the herbicides but, but why herbicides what are you doing with them and, and why should i care okay herbicides one most of the crops grown in canada especially in ontario are herbicide tolerant the crops like corn or soybean or whatever because we have been using a lot of herbicides to kill the weeds so these big companies like monsanto or syngenta they have been developing herbicide resistant crops so most of the crops here are herbicide resistant so herbicides make up a big. Uh, I mean, it's it's a big industry. It's it's like I I I I can I don't know how much exactly in millions or billions, but yeah, it's a really big industry. And one thing is that it's going to be increasing. It's not like it's going down. Even WHO has warned uh, about certain herbicides or pesticides being probably carcinogenic. So it's like it's there. So what? I'm trying to do right now is reduce the use of the herbicide without actually affecting its efficacy. So let's let's begin from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Herbicides. Yes. Right. Wait, we like them. We love them. We hate them. We I, a lot of mixed emotions. Yes. Now, as, as a researcher, as a scientist, and when you're talking to other people, do you find that most people, when you say, oh, I work with herbicides, do you find most people have a positive or a negative reaction? Depends on who I am talking to in the first uh, case. It's like if I, I'm talking to any any farmers, they'll be like, all of them are using herbicide, unless it's an organic farm, which is like not so common here. So everyone uses the herbicides or pesticides. So it's it's. So for them, it's like, oh, you're working. So are you going to make a new one or anything like that? So that's that's a response I receive. But when I talk to a common person at the grocery store about my project, they'll be like, oh, so are you saying that what I eat, it's sprayed with something? I'm like, um, I'm sorry. Well, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> so, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends on who I speak to, of course. Yes. And I imagine that although there's a lot of people who think, you know, herbicides are not great, it, it's got kind of a scary name, herbicide. Ooh, 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 that's spooky. Mm -hmm. But the reality is if we didn't have herbicides, we wouldn't, one, have as much variety as we wanted in our food, and we wouldn't have nearly as much food 
because we would lose a lot of it to bugs and pests and other nasty little critters. Yeah, exactly. Because the world population is like expected to be around 9 billion, 9 billion in 2050, I guess. Billion or million, I have to confirm. But yes, it's like by 2050, it's like it's exploding, right? So you need food. Yeah, we need food. Yeah, we, we need food. So it's like uh, you, you can't let go of the herbicides. Um, because uh, it's these are all checkpoints, right? I hope, like last summer, I tried growing tomatoes and it was like, oh my God, by the end of the season, I was like, I, there was a lot of bugs. I didn't even know what to do. I, <laughs> so just imagine yeah. all those farmers who were spending a lot, uh, you know, for all these, uh, for growing all the crops. And then in the end, if they don't get anything, it's, it's one, they lose their income. Two, you need food to feed the population. So that's another thing. You don't get any food, which, which indirectly raises the price of the food. Again, so it has many indirect consequences, direct as well as indirect consequences. So we have to think about that. It's today's world. You have to live with the herbicides. That's what I think. You know, it's funny because you say that you grow tomatoes and you, you try really hard. And I know my dad has a garden and he, he you know works on the garden all the time. He's retired, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was one year I remember in particular where he, he worked so hard. And at the end of the year, he's like, all right, I got two tomatoes this year. Which, you know, it's kind of funny because it's like, oh, my God, Dad, you worked so hard to get two tomatoes. But this is not his livelihood. Exactly. He is not feeding our family, mm-hmm. really, because it wasn't a lot of food. Yeah. He wasn't feeding us. But but this is not his income. This is not his revenue source. Even if he did use herbicides or didn't use herbicides, it doesn't make that big of a difference in his life. But if you were to tell a farmer, like, oh, yeah, nobody likes herbicides. Get rid of them all. Farmers would potentially not be able to make enough food to feed us. Exactly. And what about their income? What about the money they spend on all that? Mm-hmm. It's their source of income. That's what, It's direct and indirect consequences. There's a lot to it. It's not, just not, it's not like you can stop the herbicides, go organic. No, it's it's not possible. It, you have to feed the world, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And we're hungry people. Exactly. So, all right. So we we covered the concept of herbicides. Mm-hmm. We I I'm I'm pro herbicide. I'm all about it. Like herbicide love for all. Yeah. Um, in all fairness, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But we 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 know herbicides. We've all accepted them. What are we still doing with herbicides? Don't we have everything figured out? I feel like herbicides have been around for a while. What's possibly left? Haven't we killed all the bad things yet? Yeah. So that's the next thing. One, the overuse of the herbicides, like most of the weeds are becoming resistant to these herbicides. So that's a problem. So you're like in search of new herbicides, new organic chemicals. So just imagine the amount of chemicals that end up in our system, in the ecosystem, in all around, in the animals, in the aquatic animals, all around us, you know, in the soil, in the water, underground water. So it's like everywhere now. When the crops are becoming resistant, you end up spraying more and more and more of the herbicide to control them. Well, you can't blame the farmers. They, They have to... They have to get their crops, right? Yeah, so that's the thing. So that's where I'm working on. That's where my project is all about. Efficiency or the efficacy of the pesticidal herbicide should be maintained. And we must stop the overuse of the abuse of the pesticide or the herbicide. It's kind of like a two front. First, we make sure they're efficient. Exactly. And second, by making sure they're efficient, we could reduce how much we have to use. Yes, that's it. This yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's like uh, It's kind of like buying that you know concentrated soap. 
you know, you don't need as much and it works just as good. Exactly, exactly. That's what it's all about. We are working on a lot of herbicides, just one in particular. Where, where are you fitting into this? So at the moment, I'm just concentrating on one. But but it's 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 an entirely new project. My whole project is on the development and characterization of a pectin-based nanocarrier for herbicides. Oh, so many fancy words yes, go into yes. that. A patent-based nanocarrier. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, can I can I at least just guess what that is? Sure. Let me just go yeah. at it. It's like a really tiny airplane for pesticides or herbicides. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Walk me through. What What do we got? So um, our lab before 2018. So I was not here at that time. So our our colleagues kind of isolated. Um, a, a nanoparticle or a nanofiber from sour cherries. Mm, it was, delicious. yeah, it, I, I, I should say it's kind of a serendipity. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then, yeah, they were like, wow, these, once you look into the microscope, you're like, wow, these nanofibers are cool. What's happening? And then from there, it all started. So the initial plan was to use this nanocarrier. And then they figured out that these nanofibers could hold a lot of organic chemicals or drugs or whatever. And they were like, yeah, why don't we use this for human cells or, you know, drug delivery kind of thing in the human cells. And they kind of started working on this. And then suddenly my professor, Dr. Gopi, he had this idea of using, because he's, of course, in the plant agriculture department, why don't we use use it for agriculture? That is important too, right? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, and then then that's when I've come on board uh, and then I was he was like, why don't we try the why don't we check how this would this uh, this pesticide, uh, how would it would affect the human cells and things like that. And then with all the discussions and brainstorming, we kind of made a project or proposed a project plan of what could be done on this and then we were like, yeah, this herbicide issue and with all the controversy regarding herbicides. Why don't we use this nanocarrier for delivering the herbicides to the plant? One, it would reduce the amount of herbicide applied. Two, you're directly delivering it to the weeds so that could overcome the resistance mechanism somehow. That's how this project uh, was conceived. And the crops are, of course, herbicide tolerant. So it's not going to do anything to the crops, of course. And Nanopect, uh, it's called Nanopect. This nanocarrier, it's a proprietary technology owned by Cygriff Incorporated. It's a company, it's a spin-off from the University of Guelph, actually. Using Nanopect, you could just deliver it to the weeds and then destroy them. And one thing, you don't have to use as much of herbicide you normally use, which is a plus point, of course, right? And then the next thing, you can overcome the resistance mechanism because you're delivering it directly to the weeds and to the side of action of this herbicide in the weeds. This this seems like a lot of really positive things. Yeah, exactly. All right, there there's a herbicide we have to deliver, but it's not just like a matter of delivering mm-hmm. it. The the process of the delivery makes it an even better herbicide than it was before. Exactly. So, let's let's discover or let's discuss delivery. I originally started with an airplane. I'm going to I'm going to reshape this <laughs> yeah, one. Okay. I love analogies, big fan of them. I'm always about them, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not in love with my airplane anymore. Mm-hmm. 
I'm thinking about when you take a vitamin in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a vitamin taker? Oh, are you, do yes, you... yes. Uh, not not regularly, but yes, yeah. Once. I probably should. Yeah. Like I'm I'm hitting that age where it's like. Uh, <laughs> either way, vitamins often have like a little capsule around them. Exactly. Because if you just were to like scoop vitamin C powder into your mouth, it would be one taste terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it wouldn't do the job it needs to do because the active agent kind of gets uh, ruined along the way. And you want it to help your body. So we put little carriers around them. We put, you know, capsules and things like that. But now we got a plant that needs this, let's, could we call it a medicine? This herbicide? It could be a pl- yeah. yeah, kind of, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Like you, you take so, a medicine to kill the um, the microorganisms in your body or anything. So it's it's a medicine to kill the weeds, to help the crops. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like this. So so this plant needs this medicine, and you could just you know take a bucket and just dump the medicine on the plant, but that's not very efficient. Because the whole plant doesn't need the medicine. You said just the roots really need it? Um, or the roots are the best place to put it? What? Where's the difference here? No, no, not quite the roots. Because plants survive. Weeds or crops or whatever, they survive with photosynthesis, right? So it's all on the leaf. Ah, the leaf yes. is the, the good yeah, spot. Yeah, of course. The roots are important, but the leaves are important too. So most of the herbicides are applied as sprays. Mm, okay, yeah? yeah. So, yeah. So then, Ari, we, we have this compound that we found in a sour cherry. Mm-hmm. Are sour cherries, like, do we eat sour cherries? Oh, yes. Yeah? yeah. Okay, I, I didn't know. Oh, my God. The Montmorency sour cherries, it's quite famous, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now you I get it, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Forget everything I just said. So <laughs> uh, we, we love these sour cherries, and you found in them that there's this little compound in there, and it's really great at holding on to a lot of your herbicide. Exactly. Okay. So this is cool because it seems as if, and I and I don't love this word, but it seems as if this is a very natural mm-hmm. sort of delivery system. Exactly. And that's good because if it's plant-based, it's probably not introducing anything too crazy into your agricultural system uh, and, and many other benefits for it. You know, uh, I think a lot of people love the sound of, uh, you know, sort of these uh, discoveries found in, you know, sour cherries kind of situation. Uh, but but nonetheless, you have this thing, you load it up with your herbicide, and then you put it on the plant, and you are getting multiple benefits out of it. One, you're delivering the herbicide. But two, you're now telling me that you don't have to use as much. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is awesome. This is really cool. This is good stuff, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so... Your project's done. I, I, What else could you possibly have to do? So one thing I would like to add on is that that's where the mechanism comes in. So one, these nanoparticles we are talking about, they're in the size of nanometers. So all, And that's small. Yeah, that's small. That's... So that's the thing. <laughs> A molecule, when it's in the nano dimension, it behaves different than it's in the micro you know, micrometer dimension or whatever. Because most important thing is as a surface area increases. Just imagine you have a big cookie. So you know the surface area of the cookie. But when you chop it up into tiny bits, the surface area is actually increasing because you have each bit has its own surface area, like, you know, all that. So it's actually increasing. The total surface area is actually increasing. The same things happens here. 
So the way these particles behave in the nano dimensions is entirely different. Like if you take normal pectin, which we use in jams and jellies for um, thickening, you know, so that is different from the nano version of the pectin. It's it's not exactly similar to the pectin we have in the jams and jellies. So the thing is, once these nanoparticles on the leaves, when we apply the herbicides, most of them are like washed away. It doesn't actually get into the chloroplast or whatever the uh, the the structures in the leaves were actually does the photosynthesis or I think all of us know about photosynthesis the food production for the plant right so what we want to do is to get this herb is most of the herbicides into the chloroplast that is a food production area so that that food production is or photosynthesis is stopped and then the plant cannot survive it dies yeah yeah, yeah right because it would be silly if it doesn't do anything where you're just spraying excess chemical which i imagine is expensive for farmers yes and probably not lovely for the environment exactly most of it ends up in this um, groundwater or the surface water even though it can be bio it's most of the herbicides available right now are biodegradable some are not though still you don't want unwanted things in your ecosystem right no one wants things Absolutely. yeah and today's world we are always looking for sustainable materials that are all around us we are always looking into sustainability so so what we're trying to do is that using this uh, nanoparticle or nanopect again it's from sour cherries so it's not going to harm you it's already there you're just isolating out these tiny particles you're loading the herbicide onto these nanoparticles these nanoparticles because of their size and structure they can actually get into the leaf they can they can uh, overcome the barriers of the leaf and get into the internal structures such as the chloroplast or whatever and can uh, unload their cargo which is the herbicide directly where it has to go okay so we get these tiny little vehicles that are doing a better job than the traditional uh vehicle i guess uh at you getting into the chloroplast and that's where we wanted to go yeah now of course these are going into the chloroplast of the weeds mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So so they're going into the chloroplast of the weeds, which is good because then it can kill the weeds. Exactly. Whereas before it was kind of like, well, some of it's going in, but now more of it's going in, and we like that. Exactly. And of course that means one, we could use less, yes. but two, it's also uh would you be willing to say it's more sustainable? Of course, because you're using less, right? And this nano carrier or nanopect is not going to do anything to the environment or the ecosystem. It's already there. It's from nature. It's nature derived. So it's sustainable as well. These seem like uh, just a whole list of great things. This is awesome. But uh, where does your research come in? Or do you not know exactly how it works? Are you trying to make it work better? What part do you play in this? So one you just can't put so and so herbicide into nanopect and then spray it on the crops, right? Or the weeds or no. whatever. So you have to know how much, you should have to optimize all that. Like how much is the best uh, or the optimum dose of the herbicide that could be put into the, uh, put into the uh, delivery system and that can be sprayed onto the crops or the weeds. So, so that's where I come in. You have to develop and characterize all that. Okay, yeah, and that that seems like a lot of work. Yes, it is. That, like, then... like you don't just like ah two grams or ah you no, know three. No. <laughs> it, it's not that simple, yeah. is it? But then that's grad life, I guess, right? 
Yeah, 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 that's research. But yes. if we don't have people who are doing this, we can't just say, ah, we're going to just put a big old blender of tart cherry fiber nano carrier and herbicide and yes. blend it together and call it a day. That's not going to No, no, that's it. not going to happen, right? See, it's it's very simple. Even to, to get a candy into the market, there's a lot of research behind it, a lot of optimizations going on behind it. So research is important. You see something on the shelves in your grocery store, it takes like years or months of optimizations done to get it there. It's not like in a single day. You could say for sure that if if something is being used in agriculture uh, for like herbicide or whatever types of treatments, it is thoroughly, thoroughly thoroughly researched exactly and uh, and health canada is it's very is very stringent on that they have these specific guidelines to get a new pesticide or herbicide into a market so it's not like you you just make something up it's efficient it's effective and and then you kind of uh, get it out in the into the market it takes years Minimum a decade to get a new pesticide into the market. Yes. Oh, that's a long time. It is. It is. Yeah. Longer than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, but these these regulations are good. Of course. Uh, you know, some sometimes they're a little bit difficult to work with, and I don't think anyone's gonna you know be like one hundred percent all about it. But these regulations are good because they prevent you know bad science from being food that we ingest. Exactly. So you are working with an herbicide that's already approved. Yes. Your your herbicide's been approved. So you're not you're not doing that much so. But you want to make the herbicide more efficient. Exactly. Because although it's already being used, we could potentially use less mm-hmm. and it be more effective. Yes. So this is like uh, these are things that you want to do. Yeah. So then I guess in order to, you know, kind of uh, put a cap on this entire conversation, uh what what are like the long term you know benefits of all of this we know like okay yeah use less herbicide good for the environment do you have anything that you you could tell us that you know what does the future of this project look like and like how that impacts the world yes see so recently there have been many movements around ontario around the world they're like trying to especially the indigenous people, because the government of Ontario recently, they were trying to spray these herbicides uh, on the forest. The people, they're coming forward. We also have a like environment uh, school of uh, professors from the School of Environmental Sciences here who are like involved with these uh, projects or these movements. And they're like trying to bring down the use of herb, unwanted use of herbicide. I should say unwanted use of herbicides or misuse of herbicides. Like, don't use it if you don't actually have to. Use it when you have to. That's it. Where my project comes in is that, okay, don't misuse the herbicides. Let's use it wisely. Let's use what is actually needed. Don't overuse it. Don't abuse the system. So don't get chemicals into your body or into the aquatic animals or whatever, the living organisms, if you don't actually want it inside the system. Of course, you know, it's, it can be metabolized or it, there's many th- things going on in a body that could actually sometimes get rid of the chemicals. But why do you want your body to go through all that? Yeah, there, it's like there's no sense. Yes. It, it'd be silly yes. to, to have all of it around. Yeah. Not only is it more expensive, but we, we just don't need it. Exactly. But in order to get to that point, we need new technologies and research that helps us find a way to use less. 
and that's what technology is for right that's what technology technology advancement is for you're not you're not right where you started like decades ago you have you have come forward a lot so you can you have to keep on keep on improving yourself improving the technology around you improving what is available just think about in apple the, in- iphones they are in that 13th version now they kind of you know even though it's it's minor they kind of update the technology right it's it's just that update your technology yeah because yeah, the world's changing we're discovering new things exactly. it would be a little silly to use technologies yeah. that we used 10 years ago exactly. although 10 years doesn't seem too old but there are so many advances that are happening so fast we should use these advances we should use these advances to our advantage exactly it's all for the it's all for the bigger advantage right it, you have to think about the bigger picture it's not just just for 5 years or 10 years coming you have to think about the future you don't want all the weeds around you becoming resistant and then you kind of have to search for new chemicals again and again and then you end up having a lot of chemicals you're already you're already saturated with everything right especially these pesticides and herbicides all in the environment your the environment is actually saturated with all these chemicals so do something do something to bring it down or control it act at least control it that's that's yeah we started with you know herbicides there are friends um but we don't love using too much then we moved on to the fact that hey there's this kind of silly little compound in chart cherries that's really good at holding um or sour cherries i don't know is tart different it's than sour, sour cherries cher- it's sour cherries it's sour, okay. yeah. right, i don't want to i don't want to get the cherry people against me that's <laughs> that's the last group of people i need to upset today so so yeah, we got this compound in the sour cherry it's really good at holding the herbicide and it's also even really good at delivering the herbicide mm-hmm. so we went from we like herbicides we want to reduce how much we use we found a compound and now you are in the stages of making sure that all of this works so that we can start actually applying it in the world exactly all right so with that being said with that summary do you have any closing remarks anything you want to get off your chest oh i would love to like i would love to speak to all the grad students out there mm, like preach let's yeah, hear it yeah yeah you know at least if someone someone who hears this kind of could relate, might be able to relate to this uh most of the students around me or people i work with are 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 fresh graduates from college or from master they just did their masters or whatever or or their undergrad but me i've been in this field for like more than 10 years now in research doing like many things so so the thing is be passionate about what you're doing and then then you you'll be able to survive you'll you'll start liking it it won't end up like a chore for you it becomes part of your life it becomes something that you think of when you go to sleep or you wake up it's it's not kind of stressful but it's it's something you like to think about and yeah. if you're sure that you can't you're not meant for this leave it just leave it yeah you really have to find something that you like i i find that exactly you could be good at what you do but if you don't like what you do it's going to be a whole lot harder yes and grad life is not easy i i'm pretty sure you know it right it's stressful wow. it's you you you'll have like thousands of hindrances all along your way you so you just have to overcome all that hurdles all the hurdles so so if you if you should have 
that uh, that in you like if you should that have that in you yeah it's 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 part of your life it's part of brad life you have the hurdles you have to overcome that just do it if you really want to yeah yeah i i support this good motivational speech at the end of this honestly like i feel i feel i feel like now i'm gonna go and actually do some work because like before i was like nah maybe i'll just go lie on the couch for a little bit but now you motivate i'm pumped i'm pumped i'm gonna go do some work now (laughs) i'm happy (laughs) and my advisor thanks you already oh (laughs) all right well thanks so much for talking with us today it was a true pleasure my pleasure louis it's my pleasure (laughs) That sneaky Nima is always up to new tricks. And speaking of new information, at the end of every episode of We Know Some Stuff, we always like to take time to do a little bit of fact check to correct any mistakes that were made during this podcast. Because we don't know all the stuff, which is why the show is called We Know Some Stuff. So, earlier in the episode, Nima mentioned the world population growing to a specific number by the year 2050. That number is more accurately going to be 9 billion. That's predicted. Who knows what's going to happen? Also, Nima mentioned that herbicides attack on the leaves of plants. Although that is the type of herbicide that she is working on, she also wanted to point out that there are root-based herbicides as well. And that concludes our fact check for this episode, so thank you for listening to another episode of We Know Some Stuff.